There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hello and welcome to the Osher Ginsberg podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thank you so very much for being here. This is episode 123 of the show with Jason Wachob. He is the founder and CEO of mindbodygreen.com. You can find him on Twitter at Jason, W-A-C-H-O-B. This episode of the show, this episode of the show is brought to you by the extraordinary support of people like you. Listeners to this very, very podcast, lots and lots of people donated very little each, and that has all added up to a uh, very kind and a very humbling sum. Uh, If you would like to support this show, patreon.com slash osher, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash osher is where you can go. Pledge as little or as much as you like. If you can't afford to pledge anything, please don't, but if you can and you find... If you find this podcast of some value to you and you feel that contributing is for you, then please consider doing so. There are some rewards there. They uh, rewards start for as little as five bucks. Uh, that's five bucks a month. Uh, now, uh, for the people that donate five bucks a month, I'm offering exclusive episodes throughout the year and I've thought about it. I think what I'd like to do is sequel episodes as the exclusives. A lot of people have been asking me when you're getting this person back, when you're getting that person back. I think I'll do sequels as the exclusive episodes, conversation with people that I've been asked the most about to get back and speak with once again. So if you feel it's for you, patreon.com slash osher, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Look, podcasts are generally free to listen to, uh, but they aren't free to make. Each show takes me between six to eight hours of um, organizing, researching, writing, interviewing, producing, posting, publishing to get up. And um, considering I'm trying to ride this bachelor train into the sunset at the moment, the time is now to just say yes to jobs, uh, which means um, finding time to do this um, podcast is getting trickier. Um, I want to use the money to hire an audio producer, possibly even a show producer to help me coordinate guests because it is starting to get on top of me a bit right now. And I have had to cancel a a few guests this week, which does suck. Um, But yeah, I'll tell you why. <laughs> how was your How was your week? Um, I'm not going to lie, mine was tough. 
I'm going through some um, pretty heavy stuff at the moment and uh, I'm trying to remain, I guess I'm trying to remain present to the flags that popped up and appeared the last time in my life. Uh, the flags that arrived the last time everything kind of imploded. <laughs> Those flags are starting to show up, the ones that happened before that uh, that time in my life. Things like like things, what things are happening? Things like getting like a little extra agitated over tiny things. Um, not sleeping much. Um, I bought a Fitbit because I thought it'd help, you know, me track my calories. Instead, it's making me go, "What? I slept for five hours." <laughs> um, not sleeping much is is uh, is a tricky one, and um, and and really reading conversations quite wrongly. And this is an interesting one. I've noticed this has only happened the last week or so. I can't tell when Audrey is joking with me. And this is a real frustrating one for her, but it's a really big one for me because it means that the internal input filters are set to, what's the most negative way to interpret what she's saying to me right now? Um, and she's just trying to light me up with a couple of chuckles by you know saying a joke, which is an opposite of what I would expect to hear. And she's a very, very funny woman, uh, which is why one of the reasons why I love her. Um, I look at her like, why? Why would you say such a such a thing? She's like, I'm joking. Oh, and and I've noticed that I haven't been able to tell. I haven't been able to tell from time to time, but exceptionally so in the last week and a half. But that's a big one because that means I'm starting to misread situations. And uh, I know when that happens, I have to pull my foot off the gas a bit, cancel a few things out of the diary, allow myself some more space to sleep, connect with my family, eat properly. Um, I can't work out at the moment still because I'm still injured, which is probably contributing to all this. But, you know, just the basic things that I should take care of normally. But um, it's when things like getting a little extra agitated and not reading situations properly, when those things start to pop up and they slip through my fingers, that's that's kind of, it's a slippery slope on the other side of that. But yeah, not being able to tell when Audrey's joking is a big one. I'm really grateful for it. Hang on, hang on. <coughs> Oh my God, I do not recommend sneezing with a rib injury. Oh, oh wow, I don't think I'll leave that in. Um, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, not being able to tell when Audrey's joking with me. That's a biggie. And I'm grateful for it because I know she'd never tease me that way, but sometimes you just don't read situations the right way and I end up responding sometimes in an unexpected way. And people kind of look at me like, okay, all right, um, we'll talk to you later. Because I've just reacted in a really weird way. So I guess if I could ask you anything this week, it's just look out for the little flags that are waving at you right now. Small stuff, you know, I don't know, being off your food, being unusually upset while driving. Um, one thing for me, which I have noticed as well, I swear more than I normally swear when I'm starting to get ragged. And now I know, I know I need to take more care of myself when I populate my general talking with sailor talk. I don't know why I do it. It's not a Tourette's thing. Tourette's is a very, very misunderstood condition. Um, but it's just like a verbal representation of the kind of conflict that's going on. I don't know. But I do know that when, I'm, when I swear a lot, when the fruity language just flies out of my mouth every second word, I know that something's up. So anyway, that's been happening. Better take a step back this week. Maybe you should, you know, if this is happening to you, if you relate to any of this, just take a step back. Maybe ask someone that you trust, go, hey, is everything, do you notice anything different about me? They might not. 
Um, but I know that it's it's usually a sign that I need to take some action and control things before they start to go around the other band. Because I, I know that if 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 I let things go before the, uh, I know it, it it reaches critical mass, a chain reaction begins, and only the most intensive medication can take care of it. And I personally don't feel like gaining eight kilos in four weeks again. Um, boy, that got heavy quickly. <laughs> anyway, I hope you're well. Um, you'll uh, actually you'll hear me tell my guests that I'm I'm working three jobs this year, um, two TV shows, one breakfast radio show, so it is an ongoing challenge to stay on top of everything. But I believe that with the wonderful people I have around to help me, um, Audrey on the personal side of things and Jade on the professional side of things, that it's going to be okay. As long as I do what they tell me, as long as I t- do what they tell me to do and not the stupid shit that I think I should do, um, then I'll be all right. <laughs> so. Let me tell you about my guest today. Jason Walker is the founder and CEO of mindbodygreen.com. All one word, mindbodygreen.com. You can find him on Twitter at Jason Wachob, W-A-C-H-O-B, Jason Wachob dot, no, that's, that. sorry, at Jason Wachob is where he is on, on, on Twitter. Now, uh, there's probably quite a big chance that uh, you've read a blog post or two at mindbodygreen.com, but if you haven't, it's a, I guess you'd call it a health and well-being and kind of positive living community. Uh, it's got about uh, 4,000 contributors, over 12 million unique visitors every month, a worldwide community of people dedicated to living, you know, the best life that they can live while being kind to themselves, others around them, and the planet around them. I'm very grateful to have met Jason a couple of years back. Um, it was one day when I was uh, shooting stills up at uh, Rich Roll's house. Rich asked me to come and shoot some photos for him for a project he was working on, and... Uh, and I met Jason there that day up in the Malibu Mountains. Jason's a great guy. He's a really lovely man. He's got a great story. And uh, his new book is out, which is uh, the reason that he and I are talking today. His new book's called Wealth, W-E-L-L-T-H. It's uh, out everywhere that you can buy books. So, yeah, just go and, go and buy it. It's called Wealth, How I Learned to Build a Life, Not a Resume, which is pretty much, pretty much what it is. It's... um. I've read it. It's it's basically the things that Jason has learned on his journey from chronically injured ex-college basketball star to working as a trader chasing huge commissions through a bit of a, a, a shall we say, a rock bottom period, um, emotionally and vocationally, and then his rise back to life um, filled with the joy of helping others. Now, it's not a preachy book, even... It's not even a book that's specifically about being vegan or, or leaning to one spiritual modality or, or another. But it, to me, it's just a book on on how to live a life that's full of the stuff that actually makes you happy. Not the just the big house or the big telly or the shoes you saw on Instagram that you saved up for. No, it's the stuff that actually makes you happy. Just a, But a quick word about audio quality. Now, you listen to this show. You know that I usually sit in the room, across the desk, table, coffee table, whatever. But I sit face-to-face with my guests. I travel to their homes or they come to my kitchen and we talk face-to-face with the intimacy of that conversation captured for you to hear as well. But with Jason being in Brooklyn and me being in Bondi and the book coming out this week, I chose to do the podcast over Skype. Now, it's always tougher to get that true emotional connection with someone over Skype, um, we could see each other, uh, which does does go a long way to help that happen. But thankfully, as Jason and I have met before, we were able to reach that authenticity without being in the same room, I felt. 
But I'd love to know your thoughts on this kind of thing going forward because it would allow me to get uh, many different people around the world on the show, but it would possibly change the kind of conversations that I have. It might change them for the better. I'd love to get your thoughts. Send us your email at gmail.com. So let's hope the call doesn't drop out too much for you. There's a few glitches here and there, but you've used Skype. You know what it's like. Um, this is my conversation with the CEO and founder of mindbodygreen.com, Jason Walker. How you been, man? Hey, wow. Well, up and down. It's okay. <laughs> bit healthier now I'm back in Sydney. So are you full-time back now? No uh, more Venice for you? You're done? Yeah, uh, well... I got two TV shows and a morning radio show here, so You're, yeah, and a, a new fiance and a stepdaughter on the Congratulations. way. Congratulations! So, yeah, it's nice. It's very nice. I've been trying it's to get bre- I've been trying to get breakfast into her all day, and she's like, "I will do it later." I've been uh, I'm friends with you know Joe Cross. Oh, the juicer. Yeah, and uh, I was talking with him the other week. I was like. And it was just like so cold in New York and like all the election shit with like Trump and all this crazy. I'm like, dude, why do you even bother with us in America? Like, because he's like walking in Sydney and I'm like, dude, why are you even coming back here? Like he was like, Jason, something I'm thinking long and hard about right now. (laughs) I guess the thing that frightens me the most, Jason, is the inability of so many people in the United States to justify their behavior of waging uh, extraordinary violence upon a culture that they believe uh, arms themselves to the teeth, follows a religious dogma blindly and oppresses women when they can't look at themselves and see that they arm themselves to the teeth, follow a religious dogma blindly and oppress their women. It just... Yeah. I can't get it. You know, it's like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's uh, it's insane. It's definitely an interesting time. You know, <laughs> saying to Joe, I'm like, maybe we need to just really hit rock bottom. That's the only way to get back out of this. But... Uh... Well, that is, that is... I wonder, you know... Oh, we've started, by the way. I wonder if... Um, uh, you know, will will the Republican, like the internal, like heavy power player Republicans, can they out billionaire Trump? Can they pull some? Coke, I don't know. Can they pull some think, Koch brothers stuff? And <laughs> I think everyone, including myself, is secretly rooting for a Bloomberg. <laughs> what to just pull his finger out and go? Ta-da! <laughs> I'm here. I got the money. Let's go. No one, you know, it's interesting. It really is interesting. Like you know. Uh, Hillary is polarizing. The Republicans are a mess, and so I, I, I think this. Hey, if there's ever time for a third party, <laughs> well, let me say Hillary. It's like Hillary and Bernie are still going at it. He may yeah. come out, but uh, this could be it. And and Bloomberg, who knows? He's got the money. Yeah, people like him. I think the the scariest thing for me is that the damage is already happening with the way Trump is speaking. Yeah. 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 You know, who know? You know, I saw something interesting on Twitter recently where someone like highlighted a page from one of his books from like 10 years ago where essentially he was saying uh, his, his media strategy is just to like say crazy things to get attention and, and not press. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And someone's like, he's doing this. Exactly. Yeah. So the question there is like, you know, does he come back to sanity or not? And uh, it's just not the fact that we're even having that. <laughs> 
Yeah. Iowa, it's just insane. I, but, uh, I, yeah, yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. Where uh, where do we find you today, Jason? I am in Brooklyn, beautiful Brooklyn. Yes, the place to be. It's all happening across the bridge. <laughs> what uh, what part of Brooklyn are you in? We are in Dumbo. Uh, uh, we we live here, and our office is here, three blocks away. So uh, nice little slice of paradise here in a, about a five block radius. Dumbo is where the Manhattan Bridge and the Brooklyn Bridge kind of intersect, right? Yep, yep. Got a beautiful park. Uh, I love it over here. It's awesome. Yeah, that's a, isn't that a, wasn't that a piano in the water there one time? There was something like that. Yeah, yeah good memory. I'm so, I'm, I'm so confused. Um, well, we're speaking today because, A, it's good to see you again, and it's good to speak to you Thank again. You. Uh, but you got in touch with me last week, and you said, hey, man, I've finally written the book. And yes. I'm like, well, I'm not going to come back to LA in a hurry. <laughs> Can you talk over <laughs> Skype? Because I really wanted to get you on the podcast. Uh, we've been talking for a, a while now since... Yeah. Um, oh, I you at Rich's house. Uh, yes, we are at Rich Roll's house, and you were... Uh, Oh, you know, just the guy that was running this little empire called Mind Body Cream. And I thought you were like a, a like a freelance photographer. I was ready to hire. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this guy's so talented. Oh, that's right. I was shooting Rich that day. I forgot. Yeah, and you had that awesome vintage camera, and I was like, this guy's awesome. And you're like, no, I don't really need the side gig. <laughs> and then we started talking. I'm like, I feel like an idiot. No, you want to know. I'm just some random long-haired Australian, just, you know. I might, I might had, been... There was something about you that you had something about you where I knew you you were special. <laughs> I, I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Well, Who you've written, um, you've, you've you've put a bit a, a bit of a book together for folks that I'll do a bit in the intro, but for folks that because I, I kind of want to focus more on the book today, but for folks that aren't quite up sure. to speed, I'm sure a lot of people listening will already know about your your extraordinary online community. But can you talk a little bit how that community came about? Sure. Uh, so into the story of Mind Body Green, or specifically the Mind Body Green community. Oh, well, Mind Body, Mind Body Green, and then the community sure. that followed. Sure. So, so my personal story. So I'm 41 now. I went to uh, Columbia here in the states. I played basketball. Uh, went on to be an equities trader for five years because that's what you did when you graduated college in the 90s. It was either you become a trader, maybe if you had grades, you went to law school or if an aptitude for science, med school, and you just did it. And, uh, you know, found out very quickly, which is something I talk about in the book, that money really didn't buy happiness and left and became an entrepreneur. And found myself about seven or eight years ago uh, running another startup, flew about 150,000 miles domestic in one year. I'm six foot seven, coach seat, uh, old, yeah, exactly. Old basketball injury combined with stress and flying uh, led to two extruded discs in my lower back, pressing on my sciatic nerve, L4, L5, S1. And uh, excruciating pain in my right leg, I could not walk, went to a surgeon, he said, you know, here's some cortisone, cortisone shots. That didn't help. And uh, he, he, looked at, he looked at the X-ray, MRI, uh, said, you need surgery, non-negotiable. And uh, didn't really love the idea of surgery. You know, if you need surgery, you got to get it. But, you know, wanted to avoid it. So sought a second opinion. Second doctor said same thing. You need surgery. Uh, almost as an afterthought, he said, you know, some yoga therapy might help, but you still need surgery. And so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll try yoga. And Started with some very light yoga at home, you know, 15 minutes in the morning at night. 
uh, over the course of a few weeks, started to like feel better. Uh, you know, then then started to look. I opened like a can of worms. Started to look at like spirituality, stress, nutrition, the environment. I was a guy who, uh, you know, back then I was eating so much steak. Uh, I am immortalized at the Palm Steakhouse on the west side of, Hapton, of, of west side of Manhattan. So it's like a picture of Adam Sandler, Joe Namath, and then me. That's how much steak I ate in a year, and like inflammation meat and I'm like the environment I'm like holy shit I've you know I've got this all wrong you know I eventually completely completely healed never got surgery you know made a lot of changes in my life yoga was a big part of it and my eyes sort of opened you know I had previously thought that health was about you know vanity and weight loss and looking great uh, and I looked pretty good at the time but I was a mess and so I was like holy shit no one's talking about this 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 lifestyle it's it's mind body green uh-huh. And then and then launched the site in, in uh you know in, in two thousand nine and uh here we are today. We have twelve million unique visitors around the world who come to our site every every day, excuse me, every month. Um we have over four thousand contributors who write for us around the world. We do amazing video courses and classes with people like Rich Roll, you know, our mutual friend. You can learn meditation, yoga, plant based nutrition, you name it. Uh, we do this amazing event called Revitalize, uh, where we really like bring people together, which is really powerful. Um, and so, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a fun ride. Well, that was quite the resume, there, Jason. Uh, just I say quickly, I want to rewind on like two or three things, if sure. if, if that's okay, uh, sure. because it fascinates me. And we spoke a little bit at the start of this conversation about it. Uh, you, so you, you, you're going to Columbia University. It's a very prestigious university there in New York City. It's up by, you can do a great run from there down the river to that little lighthouse and turn around and come back. It's fantastic. Yep. Um, and you said you go and become a trader. What's, yep. is, is it almost like a foregone conclusion that the culture in that university as well, you know, this is just what you do? Yeah, it was back then. Keep in mind, this was, I graduated in 1998. So like there weren't startups by that, you know, there were no startups and, you know, I didn't come from money and, and, and I always saw money as something I wanted. You know, I had all this college debt. I saw money as freedom and, and that's what most of my friends went and did and never just gave much thought to it. So we're looking, we're just actually, uh, my country's unfortunately looking at following an American model for university. How much debt did you leave University. Oh God! I think like twenty five thousand dollars U.S. That's that's a lot for someone yeah. who's twenty. Just starting out. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. a lot of money yeah. to be, to be behind. Certainly, I was living paycheck to paycheck till I was well a long time. Uh, yes. So I uh, and another. There's two more things. When you became a trader, uh, you know, you've obviously got an aptitude for having an open mind towards, you know, a different, perhaps now a different way of life and a different way of looking at, looking at things. What kind of, and I'm assuming they're all pretty much all men that you were yeah. most, mostly men. What kind of men yep. are in that industry and what sure. kind of outlook do they have on the world? Because these are the guys that are often taking many of the decisions away from folks uh, with the sure. way that their companies and corporations make decisions. Sure. So back then, it was a lot of ex-college athletes, a lot of Ivy League college athletes. Uh, you know, and it makes sense. You know, I always say, if you, you know, and I, we love hiring college athletes at Mind Buddy Green too. And you know, it's a couple things. One, you know, you're competitive. You know, you're going to work hard. Uh, and I actually think life and success is is not that hard. I think passion and a work ethic uh, something that if you have uh, you 'll probably succeed 
so a lot of athletes, very competitive environment, which I loved. It was like playing a game every day. It was competing every day. So I felt like, I, you know, basketball was living on through trading. So I, I kind of liked it. <laughs> Um, and the, the final thing I guess to say is that I stopped drinking six years ago on the 13th of March and my final night drinking was at the Palm Steakhouse opposite Goldman Sachs. You're shitting me. No. Too funny. Oh, my God. That was my... I'm in a different Palm. <laughs> oh, really? Oh. <laughs> I'm on the one uptown. Oh, but I totally know the oh, well. Palm. I love it. Well, if you're going to quit, that's, that's good for you. Well, yeah, my last night drinking was with a Wall Street, Wall Street guy, a guy from Goldman um, and he was, I don't, I don't know what kind of martinis he was offering, uh, buying me, but they were, uh, <laughs> they must've been like trader strength. Good for you. Congratulations. Oh, mate. Uh, <laughs> something about that night. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's it. I never need to do that again, ever. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's funny. Uh, so obviously your social circle around you when you, uh, when you, when you left, trading was you know i'm pretty sure guys you went to university with and guys you're working with yeah what was going through your mind at the time where you're like i I, i'm gonna have to get out of this what besides the injury what was particularly what was particularly like i i can't do this in my heart anymore i can't resonate with this you know i in after 9 11 uh that changed me uh it was a couple things one is my second year of trading, I, I did fairly well, uh, made a lot of money, and at the same time, my relationship at the time was falling apart. And so I had this amazing contrast where, you know, my whole life I've thought, you know, money, money, it's going to, you know, do this and that, make me happy. So, you know, I have the greatest month and, you know, I think I made like $280,000 in a month. And at the same time, my relationship's like just over and I was absolutely miserable, depressed. And I would have, I remember at the moment, I would have given anything to go back to making, you know, $40,000 a year to have her back and to have the relationship back. And it was just such like a, a poignant contrast where it was like money, happiness, relationships. And, and so that was a big thing for me. And then I, I think after 9-11 happened for a lot of people, you know, I really started to question like, what am I really doing here? You know, I started to leave work early and started to say like, Hey, like the money is great, but like something's wrong. If I'm checking out at lunch and I'm, you know, taking more time off, like I wanted something with more meaning, purpose and significance where I just wasn't showing up for the paycheck and sort of sort of left and became an entrepreneur. And then my buddy green happened. So the, the idea, I mean, there's a few things about the old money can't buy happiness. I think David Lee Roth said, uh, sure, money money can't buy you happiness, but it can buy you a nice big boat so you can sail right up alongside. Sure, but, uh, <laughs> yes, I know that quote. Just get him on the podcast. Oh, that'd be yeah. I've, I've heard him. I've heard him do Jay Moore's show. Wow, uh, he's a very smart man. He's a, he is. He's a, he's a very very smart man. But there are all these you know this this idea, and, and certainly I was exposed to it hanging around. I mean, I'm still friends with those, that Wall Street guy. He's a lovely bloke. Sure. Uh, but when I go to parties with him, I'm five ten, and I'm the shortest guy in the room by six inches. You know, they're all these huge, good looking alpha guys who are like, sure. "Let's go to Santorini. Let's go to Santorini," and then. Fire up the jet. We're in and like <laughs> that sounds like it might make me kind of happy. Yeah, yeah. Are you saying yeah. that it was ultimately were, were kind of hollow, just kind of not really there? 
Yeah, and you know, don't get me wrong. I think I think money provides opportunity. I think money provides a lot of nice things, but at the end of the day, money can only go so far. Uh, you know, and for and for me, it just intuitively I knew for me personally there there was something more, and I, and I desperately wanted to find something. You know, I was jealous of people. You know, you'd read about it in magazines back then, like the Martha Stewarts or Oprah's of the World or Richard Branson's who work and play were one and they just couldn't stop because they loved it so much. And I was like, I want that. I don't know what that looks like, but it's not here. I want to help people. You know, I'm not helping anyone. I'm just trading money. I'm just trading. You know, I'm just buying and selling. That's not creating value or and I'm not learning anything. And you know, nothing against trader. Like it's a great way to make a living, and some of those guys are really smart. But uh, it, for, for me, it just wasn't right. And what kind of happiness do you get from helping people? It's just awesome. Uh, you know, it's it really is. You know, I I think uh, you know if you're ever going through, not everyone can like go leave and start a company that they're passionate about. But you know, I always say like I think uh, having a gratitude practice is key to happiness and you know one of the things like you know helping people like i remember you know volunteering in a soup kitchen or a battered women's shelter or just you know connecting with people and helping people who are less fortunate i just think is something so powerful that you know invariably just makes you feel very good and there's lots of scientific studies that support that um and so you know you know doing that when i could and then you know eventually starting a company that can help people like the letters we get and the incredible people I get to connect with, like, you know, like yourself and Rich Roll and I just go on and on. Like, uh, it's just great. You know, I, it's just great to be around people who are like-minded and positive and changing the world. Like that's powerful stuff. You mentioned something there that I'm quite familiar with, but for folks that aren't, you know, maybe this is the first time they've heard it, a gratitude practice. It might sure. be difficult. I mean, I remember the day that my ex-wife says she wanted a divorce uh, I called my guy and my guy said, okay, write down 20 things you're grateful for. I said, I don't know if you heard me. I just said, you know, she wanted a divorce. He goes, okay, what 20 things are you grateful for today? I said, right. I got nothing to be grateful for. He says, can you swing both feet over the bed? There's some guys right. on the wall to read that can't do that today. I was like, oh. Right. <laughs> so for, for right. folks who may not be familiar with the concept, could you talk them through it? Yeah, you know, I, I think for me, it, it's, you know, it, for me, it starts as something that was ingrained uh, in me as a child. I remember, I'll never forget the story, you know, as a kid, I was complaining about something I, with my mother and uh, told the story of, you know, the, the, the little boy with no shoes complained and complained until he saw the little boy with no feet, you know, really puts things in perspective, like your Walter Reed uh, anecdote. And uh, for me, it just really got ingrained. I literally wake up every day. Uh, first thing I, I say to myself mentally numerous times is thank you. You know, thank you, thank you. Like I'm waking up, like I'm alive. You know, I can pull my feet over the bed. My wife is next to me. I'm healthy. Like, thank you. Uh, and, and, literally, and I just do that, you know, and then I have a meditation practice. We, we literally have a, uh, a huge uh, mural made of eco-friendly wallpaper from the artist. Peter Tunney at our office. It says gratitude with two T's. It's giant. Gratitude is an attitude, as Peter says. And so, like, I think gratitude is huge. And I really do think it's the key to happiness, you know, being thankful for what you have because, you know, you're, you're, for us type A's, people who are, you know, looking to do great things and accomplish things, you know, there's always someone who's got more. 
you know, whether it's more money, uh, perceived better relationship, because it's always usually perceived. It's really never better, you know, or that, that faster time or better body or more or bigger house or whatever it is. It's just a game you can't win. And I think the only way to really, you know, I don't think life is a winning or losing game. It's really being grateful for what you have. So, And so it's just a case of every morning being present for just a couple of minutes of the things that you're grateful for in your life? Yeah, just like waking up, like, thank you. Like, literally, I don't even think about it anymore. It's like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then I'll, uh, you know, brush my teeth. I have a morning meditation practice. Uh, I'll meditate for at least 10 minutes and then I get 20 or so in the afternoon. And, you know, just, just always being conscious of how, you know, so easy to take for granted uh, what we have in our life. And, you know, having loss in my life, like every, you know, a lot of people have experienced loss. It's like, you never want to, you know, you, you never want to have to lose anything, whether it's a limb or a relative or a loved one or anything, you know, before you appreciate that. So it's just easy to, easy, easy to lose that stuff in, in, uh, in our daily life. Important. How does that uh, gratitude set you up for your day, which may come with challenges, which may come with deals not sure. going ahead, may come with your, sure. your, you're in an old building in Brooklyn, something's leaking, something's broken. Sure. Sure. You know, it's uh, not going to lie. It's challenging sometimes, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's really hard, uh, you know, the, the, put it this way. I don't think anyone's life is ever perfect. I think there are, you know, detours, potholes, uh, you know, they're, they're all over the place. So, uh, you know, sometimes it's as simple as like taking a deep breath and saying, okay, this could be a lot worse or, or sometimes saying like, okay, this is terrible. <laughs> and also acknowledging like this is terrible. And what I try to always say is like, okay, this is terrible. Maybe I don't know what the silver lining is right now. Maybe it just fucking sucks. <laughs> but I'm going to try to like put it away in like what I call the, I don't know drawer. Like we're going to put that away and hopefully later the, you know, the silver lining will present itself. And that's okay. But just like trying to put things away because sometimes shitty things happen and there just are no good answers. And, and that's okay. But, you know, can't let it paralyze you. I always like on this show speaking with people who uh, are living a, a, a life that involves practices like this. That a lot of, you know, some people who aren't familiar might go, oh, so you're, you smell like right. patchouli. But you know you you're a successful <laughs> entrepreneur and you you know you have a large office in Brooklyn which is not cheap real estate. Right. And it's always nice to speak to someone who's, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, I guess a fiscal representation of what this sort sure. of stuff can can bring sure. to you. To me, it's almost like self-preservation. You know, as an entrepreneur, as a CEO, you know, you're never presented with all the information you want. Like, there, there's always something that's wrong. You know, you never have enough data. You know, so like, and sure, like I work hard, I, I, I try to push things along. I'm a type A, I have goals, you know, I, we have revenue goals and we have growth goals. But like, you know, the ability to, you know, literally I feel the weight of the company on my shoulders. I'm the CEO, we have 30 employees, we've got big plans. And, and the ability to sort of step back sometimes and be like, okay, there's something greater here. Whatever I believe in or not, like I'm going to push as hard as I can, but I'm going to, you know, have a little faith, whatever that looks like. That that's that's powerful. Uh, I think in some ways, it's it, you see a lot of entrepreneurs are like having mental health issues, and I could see why. You know, it's tough, and if you don't have something, uh, you know, a belief in something greater, or or you know, a passion or a purpose, I could see why it could just become overwhelming and you crumble. Was any of how to keep yourself alive and not die from a heart attack covered in your degree at Columbia? 
No, but you know, so my yeah, you know, it's like so my father died of a heart attack oh, when I was like, yeah, you were yeah. nineteen. Yeah, wow. something I talk about in the book, and uh, uh, I think that changed me. And so, my father, uh, you know, he stress stress killed him. You know, the diet probably wasn't great, but this was a guy who's in shape. You know, athlete, former athlete, and you know, went through really bad uh, financial situation and. Uh, it, Stress, you know, I walked away basically saying, you know, years later, like stress, stress is what killed them and uh, sort of changed my view on, on, on balance and stress. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I think great example, you know, I think stress is connected to everything and I think we all have stress. Uh, it just changes, you know, and it's about how you manage it. Right. And if you don't, it'll kill you. Literally. <laughs> I believe that. It's, it's everywhere, and I think it manifests in different parts of our body. I, you know? I, I couldn't agree more. I'm, I have yeah. experienced. My, uh, I was talking to my mom about this the other day, as a, and it's a frustration for every intimate partner I've had, as you know, in my life, um, that we as a family just kind of tend to shut down emotionally when things get to a certain level. We just kind of shut off, and then we exhibit, sure. we exhibit no outward, um, uh, I guess inkling that something is amiss but our bodies yep. explode in eczema and whatever yep. you know, which the energy has yep. to come out somewhere you know yep yep i agree and, and you know whether people think it's woo woo or what have you like tell me you know whenever whenever you're not feeling well or something's off like tell me you're you're not stressed yeah like it rarely happens and for me what i found which has been interesting in my life is like whatever has been weak in my body that's when stress manifests itself so like Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The lower back pain, like my back was weak. It was an old basketball injury. Like that's where it manifested itself and it got out of control. And then later in life when I had a parasite and like gut issues, I was stressed and like then the stomach was weak for a while. And then like my stomach was my weak point. And so I, I just think, uh, you know, you're kidding yourself if you don't think stress plays a role in your health and happiness. You've got this uh, community that you've built, uh, Mind Body Green. You've, you've built this, you know, portal, I guess, using the business knowledge that you paid lots of money for to find at Columbia University and, you know. And I didn't really, I love Columbia, but unfortunately I didn't learn much about being an entrepreneur there. <laughs> but so. the back end, you learned about, you know, how business works and you've applied this to this, this, uh, this community. Uh, sure. You've got a great way to influence people there and yet you've thought, you know what, a book, that'll, that'll do it. I'll give myself a massive deadline and a hundred thousand words. So that, yeah, so 
a couple things. Like one, you know, it's, what's been interesting for me is, you know, with my buddy Green, I, I never really had like this this huge plan. It was I'm passionate about this. I'll figure it out and and see what happens. And the community that wasn't that just sort of happened organically. Where I just started, you know, I, as I say, like I was smart enough to know that I didn't know everything. And so just started reaching out to people and, and just started to connect. And next thing you know, they were guest blogging. And next thing you know, we have 4,000 contributors. And it wasn't like, you know, I always say like, you know, community is in our DNA. Like I didn't, and you know, community is like a big thing right now. And I'm like, listen, like it happened because it happened organically and from an authentic place. And uh, you can't just like recreate it. Uh, but, but it's been awesome and fun. And like, actually, our community is like one of the filling things. Like, the, you know, I connect with you and uh, countless people. Like, that's like why one of the reasons why I do what I do. Uh, and so the book, you know, speaking of community, so uh, the book actually wasn't my idea. So I woke up on my 39th birthday and I just like felt I I wanted to write something. So I wrote this blog post, 39 life lessons I've learned in 39 years, wrote it very quickly, like stream of consciousness and, uh, posted really well. Like, you know, just went semi-viral and, uh, got an email in the general inbox at my buddy green from a literary agent named Linda Lowenthal. (laughs) And she wrote, this is where it gets good. She's like, "I, I read the blog post. I think if you expand upon the ideas, there's a book here. And so I didn't write back. I was like, yeah, it's not a book. Like, I'm not a naive guy. Like, it's a blog post. Book's a big thing. I don't have time for that. Uh, so I never wrote back. And then a couple of weeks later, she sent uh, a note to the office with a package with a book. And she said, you know, introduce yourself again and said, you know, take a look at the book. I think it's similar in structure and, and you could do this. And so I was traveling the next day. So I read the book on the flight. And then I was like, holy shit, I think I could write the book. <laughs> And then met with her and then and then wrote it and the rest was history. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't my idea. And so the what I find interesting about you sent it to me yesterday, uh, which I'm very grateful for. Uh, and again, on a plane, Thank you. Uh, I did some reading. Uh, <laughs> and it seems, again, you've, you've, you're trying to speak in language that can kind of resonate with people that this might be the first thing they've ever picked up. That is their, yes. their, their portal into maybe the standard American or standard Australian diet and sure. sitting on the couch watching NCIS isn't the top of the mountain. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, this is, this is the book I wish I read 20 years ago. Right. You know, I think my problem with, with books, uh, I think you've got a lot of self-help books, which are very focused on self-help and they don't address the body and the environment. And I also think a lot of the spiritual books, you know, make it seem like you just have to sit around and, and repeat affirmations and it'll just manifest everything you want. You don't have to do anything, which drives me nuts. And I think a lot of the nutrition books uh, are just focused on one thing. And there's no one size fits all approach to health and wellness. Uh, and so to me, this was the book I really wish I had 20 years ago. It would have saved me a lot of money at Barnes and Noble. Um, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's, I think a gateway to wellness and, uh, tell a lot of personal stories you know, I, I think I'm a, I'm a relatively normal guy, you know, I'm like everyone else except I'm six foot seven and went on this journey and, and hope that, you know, whatever level you're at, uh, you, you, there's a takeaway, Yeah, you know, whether it's relationships, nutrition, movement, Whatever, you know, what's been interesting since the book's been out the past couple of days, uh, doing a lot of interviews and I'm getting a lot of different takeaways, which is awesome. So, 
So you, you've called it wealth, W-E-L-L-T-H. You betcha, yeah. Yep. Clearly, uh, as someone who's lived the path you've lived and gone the path you've gone, it's like, yeah, like, did they spell it wrong in the first place? I think they did, you know. Well, originally it was derived from wealth. That yeah. was the original spelling with the E, and then they made the change. And, uh, you know, it's something I, I really believe in. And, you know, I'm not an anti-money guy. Like, I open the book, I say, I like money. Like, I like money. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but there's more to life. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, true wealth is this blend of mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, and environmental well-being. It's that simple. You mentioned throughout the book um, uh, just a few, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? Fiscal references, like depositing into your wealth account. Wealth accounts, yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. Where, where is, how can people kind of picture that kind of wealth account in their head if, if, if they're trying to you know, grasp this concept for the first time? Well, it's this idea, you know, uh, of really, you know, taking care of yourself and, and, and the people around you and the environment and, uh, you know, making, you know, what, what I think is unique about wealth is, you know, I definitely didn't want to do something. I, I don't think there's one size fits all. I think, you know, the goal of the book is to find out, you know, what works for you and find out what, what works for you. And, you know, there, there are different pillars of, of wealth as like the chapters like eat, move, live, breathe, love, work, uh, you know, feel, ground, live. Uh, I think I'm missing one. But, uh, you know, t take something from each chapter and then try to incorporate in your life. Uh, you know, I, I'm a big believer in building a lifestyle, you know, finding what works for you uh, and then and then living it, you know, don't go all don't go crazy if you can't maintain it you know and so i think we're all unique individuals and you know as i say i'm a six foot seven 41 year old man what's good for me may not be good for an 18 year old five foot two female gymnast you know that's nuts different lives different stages of our lives and so i just really hope that you know someone's pe people people grab what they want right and try to implement them into their daily life Do you think we'll ever see a point? Because right, right now, I mean, I, I remember when I first stopped eating, I guess, a mainstream diet, when I first went uh, vegetarian and then later when I just went plant-based. As I took a step back and I just saw, I've just been eating what the commercials have been telling me to eat. I never really right. thought for myself about what it is that I actually want to eat. Yep. Do you think we'll ever see a time when either through necessity from the burden on a healthcare system or from a societal move that we'll start to market perhaps a, a more sustainable and healthy way of living? Yeah. I, you know, I, I think we're getting closer. Yeah. You know, we're clearly not there in the States, but, you know, the, the fact that, you know, economically speaking, Whole Foods Market, which I love, isn't doing that well. And they're not doing that well because you've got big chains like Kroger, getting more and more organic offerings and everyone else is getting more more organic just for offerings. Folks, that's it's like just a, a piece of it. That's like a lower price supermarket chain in the States. It's Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you can you can you, do, have, you can drop two hundred dollars on two bags of groceries at Whole Foods. I'm just gonna say that. Like just to put people but, in perspective. But really good, really good groceries. Oh man. Uh, all yeah. the way from Costa Rica, so, whatever the hell it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think it's happening and I and I think, you know, something I talk about in the book, you know, I, I uh, look, you, you can't go wrong with eating vegetables. 
And to me, you know, I think there are different diets, different work with people. But, you know, I, I say like, I think the best, the best diet book, nutrition book of all time would be just eat vegetables. And that would be it. It's that simple. No one would buy it. Three words. Eat vegetables. You know, eat mostly vegetables. And uh, processed foods, sugar, all the crap, animal products, you know. Sure, like, you know, I, I, I'm not... I'm not vegetarian, I'm not vegan, I'm not paleo. I've been everything for a little bit. What I find, what works for me, like I, I try to eat mostly plants. And there are certain universal truths with diet and, uh, you know, vegetables are, are the real deal. They most, most definitely. Most definitely. I've, I talk about diet a lot on this show, but I guess, yep. uh, and I also talk about mental health a lot on this show. So I'd like to, sure. you know, kind of touch on that a bit. How did you start to learn what worked for you when it came to managing that stress uh, that was uh, destroying your body? You know, yoga played a huge role. Uh, and that was like the gateway for me. You know, yoga is beautiful. Not the type of yoga I was practicing was like a slow vinyasa. Uh, so like this combination of breath and movement was like moving meditation for me. And just sort of opened my eyes to like, it was it was tuning in into my body, to my feelings, to my mind in ways I hadn't felt before. I was like, this is just awesome, and I just couldn't get enough of it. And and you know, went from the home practice to five days a week, to I just couldn't get enough, and really opened my eyes, you know, uh, to eating more plants. You know, I basically went vegan for a couple, for a couple of months during this phase, and then meditation, and the environment, all these things, and and. Uh, that's what's sort of fun about wellness. You know, you come in through one lane, you know, maybe it's yoga through an injury or meditation or diet, you know, and then it's like, boom, the whole world opens up. And you're like, oh, I can't get enough of this. It's everywhere. It's yeah. just like, you know, it's powerful stuff. And so yoga is huge for me. And what about now when you, uh, when you do find yourself, when you've had a, like, I've, I've had a shit week. I'm not going to lie. There's crazy, <laughs> crazy stuff going on in my life right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. It happens, man. It's peaks and troughs, man. It's peaks and troughs. When you're having a really tough week, when everything's not going sure. your way and you've got a flu and, and the car's not working and the, the bridge sure. is closed and flight's delayed and whatever, yeah. how do you stop yourself from, I don't know, acting out and thrashing out at either in a, in a deal or the people you love or the people who love you? Sure. Sure. Uh, it's hard, you know? I will typically, you know, meditation is a daily practice for me. Uh, sometimes when I've just had enough, I'll go for a walk. You know, we're, we're in Dumbo here in Brooklyn. We've got this beautiful park. I love walking. And so oftentimes I'll just go for a walk, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever I need to do, just get outside, do it. Uh, and that usually sort of brings me back to earth. That That's big for me. Uh, I'll also, you know, sometimes grab my wife, who I also work with, and we'll just go out to a nice dinner. You know, have a great dinner uh, and just try to get away a little bit. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's hard. It's hard. You know, not everyone should should run a business. I love what I do. But uh, it's funny, you know, saying with someone like being an entrepreneur is like the new thing right now. You know, shows like Silicon Valley and unicorns and, you know, it, uh, I love it. I think I'm made for it because I'm very comfortable with risk and ambiguity and I'm passionate about what I do. But like, 
It ain't for everyone. <laughs> this, is, this is very, very true. Spe- speaking of work, I was uh, leafing through, as I said, I was looking through the book yesterday, and I, I didn't quite a... There's one of those moments when my, my uh, fiancé was like, she said something, and I was like, oh, I, I don't want to tell her what I just read, but I'll tell you. Um, she kind of... We were sitting on the couch. We live by the ocean. I'm very grateful. We live by the ocean, and we have a cup of tea every night and sit down on the couch and, and you know, sure. breathe the ocean air in. I said, honey... I just need you to slow down. You're working very, you're going very fast. You go very, very fast. Yep. Yep. And I, was, I didn't want to quite say, I just read that in a book. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm going too fast. I'm doing, like I told you, I'm doing two television shows at radio show and I'm trying to get two other things up off the ground. Um, yep. It's probably a canary in a coal mine when someone who's very close to me, because I, I feel like I'm just firing. I think everything's going great. But if right. the woman who's closest to me is like, you know what? You may want to just pump the brakes a little, pal. Right, right, <laughs> right. I might have to do it, you know? Yeah, it, it's something, you know, I talk about, once again, the book, this idea of we're so good, especially type A's, of, of going fast and getting shit done and kicking down doors and making it happening. And I think we're a little bit weak is slowing down. And I think, uh, you know, it's it's very hard to achieve, but I think ultimately where you want to be is you have this balance where, you know, you're able to push and push and push and then also take a step back. And I think that's when magic happens, you know, this idea of, you know, maybe I'm trying to break down the store and um, I'm doing everything I can. It just won't just won't open. And then, oh, wait, there's this door to the right that's wide open that I never recognized. And this is maybe the right door for me to step through, Uh, you know, so I, I don't think you can ultimately just push and push and push and not be able to step back and see the, you know, the greater message or purpose. And at the same time, I don't think you can just sit on the all right, you know, make it happen, universe. Uh, and so I think true uh, success is somewhere in the middle, you know, and I think it's very easy to say, but I think it's a difficult practice and concept to be able to push and then also, you know, pull, have things come to you a bit. I think that's, I think that's where the magic happens. Well, I think the the thing about, and for me, it's, I guess it's a manifestation of what else is going on in my head. If I'm constantly on in forward momentum, I feel like I'm in control. Sure. And as you mentioned before, you're comfortable with risk and ambiguity. I'm okay with risk. But to step back and then just hope everything's going to work out and not be calling people and going, how are you going? Why isn't it happening? It's very hard. You still got to do it. You still got to do it. You can't just sit back and not do anything. You know, but it's this balance of, okay, you know, there's this great line. I say, you know... All we can do is is everything we can do, you know. Absolutely, like all you can do is everything you can do, and then you need to let go. It's <laughs> like, listen, I've done everything. I am doing everything. I am busting my ass, and you know, at a certain point, it's like, listen, I need to let go. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But I, I'm doing everything here. Is there a point in your life that you can remember uh, where you've done that, and it's you know just to describe yeah. how it works? Numerous times, like all the time, whether it's been, you know, raising capital for the business early on, where, you know, trying to get into college, you know, basketball 
well, I, I just so many, so many times where, you know, you feel like you're just banging your head against the wall to nothing. I remember, you know, my first job, uh, you know, out of college, I, I, I wanted to be a bond trader, you know, and, and just had this glorification of bond, not just traders, bond traders. It was silly because I read the book Liar's Poker and like thought like, oh, I want to be a bond trader. Uh and just interviewed everywhere and everywhere and uh, just could not get a job. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, you know, I just graduated from Columbia. I was a basketball player. Like, um, and then, you know, while this was happening, this was in uh, the, the bond market was collapsing. It was like the first collapse of a hedge fund, long-term capital management. The government had to bail them out. It was like the first time it was three, 3.6 billion, nothing compared to the, what happened later. But, and so, like the bond market was just like crucified. I had no idea this was happening, and in, in the you know behind the scenes. And then this whole time, no one, no one's hiring me. I have all these buddies who are at this equities trading shop, which I just didn't want to go to because it wasn't as prestigious. And I could have had that job from day one. And then finally, I just couldn't get anything. You know, it's like here it was, this door right next to me. I just didn't want to open. And then once I went through, boom, it was meant to be. And you know. Uh, but over and over, I think that happens. You know, you still got to do the work. You still got to hustle, but you got you got to try to pay attention to what's going on. A lot of the things that define someone who is successful, like yourself, is not just what they've built, but uh, what they built and then did not work at all, and how they turned around oh, yeah. and came back. You've had some failures, haven't you? Oh yeah, lots. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny you say that. So my. Uh, my, I learned a lot about being an entrepreneur, I think, playing basketball. And uh, I played for a great coach in college, Armand Hill, who's now a coach at the uh, Los Angeles Clippers. And uh, I'll never forget when I first was playing at Columbia, we were terrible and we lost a lot. And he would say, you know, listen, you know, a couple things. Like one, adversity and losing teaches a lot about character. You know, this is when people start to blame people. Like, do you stay, are you an individual or are you a team? You know, do you press forward? Do you crumble? Then the other side of that too is: Do you become complacent? Do you accept losing, or do you move on? And you know it, that was hard. <laughs> and uh, you know, my senior year, we finally started to win. You know, and we won as individuals and collectively as a group. And you know, that that was something that was that was powerful. And you know, taught me a lot about how how you handle. I think you learn a lot about people about how how they handle adversity when the chips are down. Uh, and so, you know, being an entrepreneur, you know, had ventures. Uh, you know, we're part of part of three companies that did not work out. You know, and uh, a couple of them were heartbreaking. And uh, you know, it's like you have that you have a couple moments where you know it doesn't work out, and you're distraught. And you know, the first one I started was a, a cheesecake company, so low carb, low sugar cheesecake, and you know, poured a lot of money into it, and you know, moved home, and uh, ended up being you know broke with nothing. And you know, I was like, Jesus Christ. To do here, you know, I've gone backwards. You know, I, I'm living at home now. I'm broke. I'm like a taller George Costanza <laughs> from Seinfeld. I'm a loser, and you know, and, and it was hard. And uh, but I learned a lot, and uh, you know, that sort of bounced back from it. I, I think anything, you know, when you have businesses or things that don't work out, you try to take a look at it and say, okay, like where did I screw up? What did I mess up here? What can I learn? You know. Make sure to take note of that and, and make sure you learn from it and it doesn't happen again. And then I think you got to move on. I think when you, uh, when you focus on things that don't work out and you allow them to be in your rear view mirror the whole time, it's just, it can be paralyzing. And so uh, 
learned a lot and I can definitely say uh, I've learned a lot from the failures. It's not a cliche. And I think collectively it's uh, little lessons along the way of maybe become a better entrepreneur and CEO. And it's one of those things, you know, I love the Steve Jobs line, you know, you can't connect the dots uh, going forward and only backwards. And so looking back, I can say like, oh, all these things, I learned this from this and not from that. And here I am today. And, and, and sometimes you can't. Uh, but you know, as, as we've said, like sometimes shitty things happen and, and they are what they are. You got to accept it and, and, and deal with it and move on. So there's probably the people listening right now, people, you know, people listen to podcasts where they're usually, you know, doing laundry or driving or, or on the treadmill or, sure. or people are always generally doing stuff when you do, when you're listening to yep. podcasts, which is the wonderful thing about it. You can make, you know, dishes an educational experience. Yes. Um, I love it. But like honestly, I don't think I've done my laundry not listening to a podcast in the last five years, which is wonderful. What? Um, so, what would you say to people who are going through a tough time now? About even though you said yes, you learn stuff, and it's a, it's a cliche line, but I do have to ask it: Is the journey all it's cracked up to be? Now you're the CEO of a successful company. Is is the journey as rewarding as doing what you're doing now? Yes, absolutely. And I think the journey never stops. I'm still on the journey. You know, I, I can look back and say, you know, the painful moments and the failures and all that stuff was well worth it. And I am extremely happy and grateful for where I am today. So absolutely, yes. But, you know, there's still things going on I got to work on and, you know, <laughs> work's not perfect and that's not perfect. And we're always on the journey. And yeah. I think, you know, the moment you think, you've you're off the journey is the moments you really have to question where you're at it's, it, <laughs> I, yeah you know, it's interesting you talk you're about, never there no you're never there you talk about you know this is not perfect and that's not perfect and it does make it does make me you know wonder i mean there's a a 12 year old girl in her bedroom in the next uh, room to me who's refusing to eat breakfast before her water polo game and it's really frustrating me but um <laughs> She's exposed to this world that appears to be perfect all the time through her phone. Her friends and, you know, the people she follows sure. on Instagram only ever post a photograph when everything's fantastic yep. and the sun's great and the smoothie's perfect and whatever. But that's, sure. like a, that's a false sense of reality for this kid. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's, it's bad. You know, it, it's, it's something, uh, you know, I talk a lot about in the book. You know, I, I, was not, I was far from perfect. I've made a lot of mistakes. I've screwed up a lot. Uh, you know, I remember when I showed the book to my mother, she was like, you were such a good kid. You talk about all these bad things. <laughs> I'm like, listen, I'm not perfect. And I want to show people that it's okay to not be perfect. And I, and to your point, like, I think we're at a point as a society where so much of what we share is only the good stuff, you know, that perfect yeah. smoothie and the Photoshopped abs and that and this, and, and you know what, that's, that's not life, man. You know, and I, I feel bad if, you, if that's how you're growing up and just seeing, just seeing the, you know, life as a state of perfection. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, I, hope, I hope to try and help her keep a grasp on that, but it's very difficult to get ahead of that constant influx of influence into her head. Um, that is her phone, but it's a different generation and they connect with each other very yeah. differently to a way that I could not have conceived when I was, when I was her age. Uh, we, I've got about 10 minutes with you. So I just want to touch on uh, one sure. or two more things, um, which is something that has been true in my life. 
and I was interested to hear it in yours. You talk about creating your own luck. For a lot of people, um, you know, it's very difficult to hear sometimes being told you're being in a victim space. It's very difficult yep. to be told you are perceiving yourself as having bad luck because that's the way you look at it. What, yep. what have you learned and what can you tell people about creating your own luck? You know, like anything, you gotta make you got to make stuff happen. And so, you know, this idea of just talking to people, putting yourself out more. Like, okay, let's say I'm like a spiritual guy. Let's say I'm a numbers guy. Well, the more people you connect with, the more people you talk with, uh, the more people you, you are exposed to and the more likely you will connect to other people who could possibly help you in some way. Uh, you know, I, I'm a big believer, you know, that, that's like the one principle of luck, I think, is I think some of the other principles a little more about like psychology, but I think this idea of, uh, you know, Malcolm Gladwell talks a lot about that in uh, Tipping Point, this idea of weak links and connecting to people. Uh, and, and so much of success and luck is through meeting people. And meeting people like I met you at Rich's house and I met Rich because my wife read about him at Stanford Magazine and thought this guy was interesting. And <laughs> I can tell you there's so many people I've met where, you know, on the street where it's like ordering in the grocery line and having the balls to say like, hey, how are you? I'm so-and-so. And you connect and sometimes nothing happens. But sometimes that becomes special. And, you know, it's about maximizing opportunities. You know, it's funny. uh one of my uh, wife's friends had a great line in their twenties when they were all, you know, dating and, and you know, wanted to meet their, you know, their their, their soulmates or what have you. And uh, one of her friends said, you know, you're never gonna, you're never gonna meet anyone no sitting on your couch on Friday night. <laughs> and you know, it, there's truth to that. And so, you know, I believe in maximizing opportunities, particularly with people. Which is kind of easier to do in a high-density population situation that is Brooklyn or, or Manhattan. Yeah. What about for folks who are living in, in you know, the, the, the great suburbs of their world? Sure. Email, Facebook, <laughs> LinkedIn, social, like specifically careers, you know. I think LinkedIn is like the greatest tool ever. You know, you can see people from different backgrounds and, and connect with them. And, you know, we're also, so like the, you know, we're, we're talking about like the, the downside of, of being in an Uber connected society, but the upside is a lot of people are accessible. Yeah. And you'd be amazed. Sure. Like a lot of people can't get back to you, but you know, you'd be surprised how many people are accessible. And if you want to connect with someone, you want to make something happen, you know, an email, a tweet, Twitter, amazing tool you can tweet at someone they'll see it possibly they may respond you know it's just there truly is infinite possibility if if you're if you're willing to put yourself out there it is a um it is a very cynical thing to look at though because as you mentioned before you know there's there's a bit of woo-woo about that that thing that came out. It was about 10 years ago now, that thing, The Secret. It was massive here in Australia. You know? Sure, oh, sure. You yeah, massive here in the States. Just, I love the book. It was a great book. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. You know, if, if you, it's great. You know, if you manifest it then, it, then it will happen. But sure. some people, like, and I'm one of them, I find it very, I, I find it, found it for many years, very, very frightening to speak to strangers and very frightening to, to approach people. What? Come on, guy like you? Mate, <laughs> I got famous off my coping mechanism. I promise you, I got famous. I, I got a career out of my coping mechanism. My my coping mechanism was to be again. If I'm in control of a situation, 
by being boisterous, then I feel less afraid. And that's how it, it. that's how it came about. I've since learned to live with it. But God. a lot of people might might be quite afraid of, of approaching strangers and might you know might see and, and if not fear success because success or getting what they want might expose them to a level of, of danger. Sure. You know, like anything, you got to find, I think, what works for you. You know, some people are comfortable putting themselves out there. Uh, if, if you're not, then, you know, maybe the approaching strangers is the best way to go. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I do think... Uh, it could be a little bit more challenging, but you know, I think I think you can find something where you're able to connect. You know, that maybe the baby's maybe it's an example of where technology can help you uh, hide behind, uh, you know, your laptop to some degree, which could be <laughs> beneficial. But again, it's it, you know, it's it's challenging. It goes both ways. Uh, yeah. You know, but I'm a big believer. You know, this idea we talked about. You know, you, you got to work hard to create your your own luck. And you, you got You got to. If you don't believe, no one else is going to believe, and it's not going to happen. So let's let's get out on that. Where what role has belief played in where you are right now? Huge. You know, if 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 I never believed I could do it, you know, if you don't believe you can do something, you're pretty much going to set yourself up to fail. Uh, you know, along the way there are always little bumps. No matter what you're trying to do in life, rarely do things just go straight from A to B. And so when a, when a bump happens, if you say, well, you know, it wasn't, you know, I couldn't do it. It wasn't going to go well. Uh, after a while, mentally, you're telling yourself a story. You're probably just going to give up. Uh, it just happens. Uh, and so also when you have people around you, <laughs> the more likely you say that. If I'm sitting next to a guy and he's like, oh, I could never do that. I'm not going to, you know, after a while, you may say the first or second time, like, no, you can do it, Roger. And after the third time, I'm like, well, you know, Roger, you probably can't do it. Hmm. Uh, you know, and I think it speaks to this larger, you know, this idea of small wins. You know, I think, you know, in accomplishing goals, this idea of small wins is really powerful. I think very rarely, you know, it's this idea of putting one foot in front of the other. If you're going to, you know, change change your diet, you know, it's it's starting with one meal at a time. Not saying like, I'm going to become 100% plant-based forever. That's pretty daunting for some people. It's this is what I'm going to do, and here's how I'm going to do it step by step. And you know, once yeah. you got one meal down, and two meal down, and three meals down, and then all and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I got some wins here. I can do it. And you can start to accomplish other things, and then you're, you're building self confidence, which is a really powerful tool. And whether it's nutrition or exercise or anything you're looking to accomplish at home or at work. Uh, very rarely do you just you can't just like start out and and, and climb uh, Mount Everest. It doesn't happen. So, if you how could I put it in another way? If you believe you can't do a hundred push-ups, you can't do a hundred push-ups. But if you believe you could get on the floor on your knees and push yourself up to a plank position, and that's it, you probably can. Yeah, and then go from one to two, and you got you got to start somewhere. Yeah. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. Um, Jason, I'm so grateful we could speak today from uh, Brooklyn, New York to Bondi Beach in Sydney, Australia. It's pretty great. <laughs> oh, I'm so jealous. Pretty great for you. Mate, you're more than welcome. You're more I than know, welcome. I know, I know. I'm getting I married know. later in the year, you, if you could make it. 
I, my wife, I've never been to Australia. My wife absolutely loves it, and she said I would absolutely love it, which leads yeah. me to believe I would. So. When, are you, when are we going to have a – have we had a Mind Body Green event down in Australia yet? No. Come on, son. We want to. We're ready. Get the band together. Get Rich and Julie. <laughs> bring the whole team. I'll help you put it on. We'll put on a show. I'm serious. Let's do it. You want to be the host? We'll live stream the whole thing. Dude, are you kidding? Everyone would love to come. You've got so many users down here. You know that. I know, but I love. Yeah, that's yeah. I, believe me, I'd love to. Come I'll, and, I'm gonna park. I'm gonna park that idea up here. Come in summertime. Uh, come January, February. You know. Okay. Or maybe even November. Okay. Come late November when everyone's still at work before everyone leaves for the holidays. Come after Thanksgiving or right before Thanksgiving. Okay. Six months. Give us six let, months to put it together. It'll be great. Let me see what we can do. <laughs> And uh, we, can, uh, we can do Q&As, and uh, we can bring some Aussies in, and you can bring some superstars down. Everyone will sell a shitload of books. It'll be great. I love it. You, you could do the whole red carpet. We'll do an award show. Why not? It'll be awesome. I kind of like that. There'll be smoothies. Yes. <laughs> so good to see no you, man. Steakhouse. Congratulations getting so on much. getting the book out, mate. Good on you. Awesome. Thank All you right. so much, Austin. Take care, brother. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was Jason Wachob. You can find him on Twitter at Jason, W-A-C-H-O-B. And of course, slide on over to mindbodygreen.com. See what they have to offer there. I'm pretty sure you'll find at least one thing that you're into. Um, okay, I've, I've got to go. It is um, late o'clock, 10, 10 o'clock Sydney time, 9 o'clock Brisbane time, where I am. And um, the alarm goes off at 3.45, as we've said before. Anytime your alarm has a three in it, it is uh, bad times. Uh, but uh, my Fitbit's going to tell me that I didn't get much sleep, but that's okay. I'm going to try and get some day naps in once I'm wrapped with work in the late morning as the self-care continues. So whatever you are doing this week, I hope that it's great. I hope you take care of yourself. Perhaps maybe look around you and those that could do with a little extra care this week, a little extra wiggle room if they're having a tricky week. I hope that you can see that in them. Once again, before I split, thank you to everybody that supported on the Patreon page. If you feel that it's for you, for less than the price of a cup of coffee, you can not only support the show, uh, but you can get access to exclusive episodes throughout the year. Uh, Okay, I'm going to put all this together in an audio program. I'm going to render it. I'm going to convert it to an MP3. I'm going to upload it to a server. I'm going to tell that server where iTunes where to find that. So there's a lot of shit I've got to do right now. Um, But... I do it all because I love the fact that I get to do this for you. Um, So thank you so much for listening. Sleep well and dream of beautiful things.